Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. Last week, we talked a little bit about uh, Jesus being Savior. And this week, I want to talk a little bit about Jesus, Lord, Jesus being Lord. And a lot of times we think that those two are synonymous, that they're exactly the same thing. Well, they should be synonymous, but to many of us, they are really not synonymous. We understand Jesus as Savior, but do we really understand him as Lord? So if you have your Bible or your device that uh, you have a device that you're not on Zoom with, and you want to go to scripture there, turn to Romans chapter 10. Uh, we're going to look at a very, very familiar passage of scripture, and then I'm going to th throw a few scriptures at you uh, over the next few moments uh, this morning as we look at the word. Romans chapter 10, uh, I'm going to start from verse 8, and I'm looking at the New King James Version of the Bible. Again, as always, if you have a different version, the NIV, the traditional King James, the ESV, or another version of the Bible, we'll get to the same place together. Why? Because we have the same Holy Spirit. Amen. So the Bible says this. Paul told the Romans this in verse 8. He said, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so last week we talked about that. We talked about Jesus being our savior and how he saved us. I was thinking about a time in my life when I was 17, graduated high school at 17 and went to the army when I got to basic training, I remembered how a few months earlier, I had responded to an altar call, responded to the call of the Lord. I'd been in church my whole life, uh, but I was, this particular Sunday, 1983, I responded to the call of the Lord and went down, responded to an altar call, gave my life to the Lord, uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues, all of that uh, that you would have. And... Um, I was so excited. Even though I'd been in church my whole life, there was a change. There was something different, and I knew it. God had breathed the breath of life once again into me and awakened my spirit, and I knew that. And then uh, I was thinking about that as I was at basic training, and I was going through uh, what I thought was a very tough time because, you know, I was getting yelled at, cursed at, you know, having to do all kind of things that I felt were out of my purview to, to do, both physically and mentally, but I was still able to do them. 
And I thought about that time when I got saved. And then I thought about as I was going through basic, as I was going through training and all of that, uh, there seemed to be something different now. I didn't have that same excitement that I had when I got saved those few months earlier. This was only a few months later. Um, and it wasn't just because of what I was going through, but it just seemed like there was something more. There was uh, something empty. Like uh, I thought this was it. When I got saved, when I responded to this altar call, I know now that I'm going to heaven. I know now that I'm sealed with the spirit. What else is there? What, what more do I need? What more do I want? But I knew there was something that was still empty in my spirit. And Jesus showed me exactly what it was. For Jesus to be Lord, we have to first understand his work on the cross. You know, why is Jesus Lord? Jesus has been Lord since the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. But for him to reveal himself to us as Lord, and what that means as Lord, we have to understand the redemptive work of the cross and what the cross did and does for us. Psalm 22, verses 14 to 15 put it very eloquently when David said this, Psalm 22, verses 14 to 15. He said, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot sheared, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. When we think about what we go through. This is a tough time for us. You know, maybe there's a tough time for you financially. Maybe in a relationship, you know, there's things that are in addition to what we're going through worldwide uh, that you might be going through in your life. And you think about those tough times. And then you think about how David really spoke about what Jesus uh, was feeling uh, during that time on the cross when he said, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within me and all that he was going through. You know, he did all this for you and I. He poured himself out, uh, not out of an obligation. He poured himself out uh, not because, um, you know, he felt like it would be a good thing to do. He poured himself out uh, because it was the redeeming work that he had to do. It was for you and for I for me, <laughs> you and I. He, you know, Jesus uh, not only said, I love you, but he showed his love. Some of you know my definition of love. Each of us has our own definition, but the Lord just showed me this definition for me, you know, the giving of oneself at the expense of oneself for the benefit of another. The giving of oneself at the expense of oneself for the benefit of another. This is the love that Jesus showed us on the cross when he was poured out. Also, look at Revelation. Revelation chapter 1 also talks about how Jesus uh, is Lord. It says this, it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, our example, and the ruler over kings of the earth. We're talking about Jesus is Lord. To him who loved us, and washed us from our sins, his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. First Peter 2.24 says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, you and I, 
might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. And so when you begin to think about, just think about, as I said, this whole week, what Jesus was uh, facing and what he thought about. When we want to complain, when we want to, uh, you know, talk about how, uh, you know, we're locked up in our homes and we can't go anywhere, we can't do anything, and it doesn't seem fair. Think about Jesus poured his life, his whole life out for us. I was thinking of a story of a, of a young boy who had to help his mom take care of his father from a very young age. And uh, he spent his life really taking care of his father, all of his waking hours. His father was so sick. Yeah, he, couldn't, he couldn't do anything for himself. And every day when this boy came home from school, he had to feed his father. He had to help clothe him, dress him, shave him, do whatever was necessary for his father. And as time went on, he grew into a teenager. And one day he was talking to his mom and he said, you know, I've spent my whole life, you know, feeding my father, you know, uh, clothing my father, doing all of these things for my dad. It's not that I don't love my dad, mom, but it's, this is not fair. I mean, how am I going to live my life? What's going to happen when I graduate high school? How will I go to college? How will I live life? How will I get married? You know, this, this is just not fair. Then the mother told the young boy the story of how the father got that way. She said, your father wasn't born this way. She said, there was a time when uh, there was a house uh, that was on fire and he ran into the burning house to save a baby. And, uh, you know, but the, the fire, the smoke and all of that got into his lungs and um, he jumped out of the window with the baby and fell and the fall also broke his back. And so, you know, he, he's like that for the rest of his life. And that baby he saved was you. And so from that moment on, when he realized that the boy never had a problem feeding his father again. And so when you understand the cost, like the boy did, does in this story, the cost God gave um, to, to redeem us, us from death, does it make you see Easter a little bit differently? Does it make you see Passover? Does it make you see this whole week just a little bit differently? I mean, it's not just a tradition that we go through. Uh, you know, it's not just the 40 days of Lent. It's not just uh, a fast or some tradition that we go through on Easter. Uh, when I remember growing up, uh, it was a kind of a tradition in my family, and maybe it was cultural, uh, that, you know, we always bought an Easter outfit. So young boys got a new Easter suit and, or Easter dress, and, you know, we went out to eat on Easter. Uh, all of these, the Easter ham, you know, there's all of these traditions. But when I think of it this way, I think of Easter just a little bit differently, just a little bit differently. And so for Jesus to be Lord, we have to understand the cross and the power of the cross. There's power in the cross. And here's some of the things that the cross provides for us, all right? First of all, the cross provides what? Redemption. We know that. The cross provides redemption for you and I. Redemption simply means to buy back, to purchase with a price out of a marketplace. It's what it provides for us. A man named E. Stanley Jones once said that at the cross, God wrapped his heart in flesh and blood and let it be nailed to the cross for our redemption. Titus 2.14 says, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself 
his own special people, zealous for good works. And so God, Jesus knows that we need to be purified to be in the presence of God, but he didn't leave it up to us to purify ourselves. We couldn't purify ourselves, even if we wanted to. He purified us in the redemptive work of the cross. And so for you and I, the cross provides redemption. What's it like to be redeemed? You ever been redeemed in the natural, in a sense, you know, where you had done something wrong or you had, uh, you know, been offended or offended someone else or fallen into, uh, you know, the wrong thing. But all of a sudden you're redeemed, you're accepted back. It's a great feeling to be redeemed. And that's what the cross does for us, even though we never asked for it. He, he died on the cross before we asked to be saved. He died on the cross before we knew that we had to be saved. So the redemptive work of the cross. Secondly, the cross provides a ransom for me. Ransom is the price that's actually paid in the transaction of redemption. So not only does the cross provide redemption, but secondly, it provides a ransom. You see, Christ's death was the meeting of the conditions, right, of that great covenant which the Father had made uh, with his Son ages before. From the foundation of the world, a lamb was slain for you and I, promising eternal life to all who would accept him. He should pay this costly price for you and I. And so he redeemed us by paying the price of the ransom. So it provides redemption for us. It also provides a ransom for you and I. Mark 10, 45 says, for even the son of man did not come to be served. Come on now, if anybody deserves to be served, it is the creator and ruler of the universe. But he didn't come to earth to be served. He came so that he could serve and to give his life as a ransom, Mark 10, 45 as a ransom for many. So the cross provides redemption. The cross provides a ransom for us. And thirdly, the cross also provides a substitution for you and I. What does that mean? A substitution means to be put in the place of another on their behalf in exchange or interchange. So he stepped in there for us, even though death was coming for you and I, it was coming for you and I. He stepped right in front, took the bullet, as it were, for you and I. Substitution. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us, you, to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now that we've been reconciled, it's up to us to go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. That I was reconciled, and you can be reconciled as well. So redemption, he paid the ransom, and we are reconciled. These are the things that the cross uh, does for us, not only a substitution, but it reconciles us to make friends and bring together those who are at odds with each other, right? Who are at in enmity with each other, that, that reconciliation he gave for you and I. At, at Christ's cross, God and the sinner can meet. <laughs> we can meet together. You know, no sin can be in the presence of God. But at the cross, at the cross, the sinner and God, the presence of God can meet together. And without the cross, we'll never be reconciled to God. 
Jesus said on that cross, though they were beating him, and though, uh, you know, they had spat on him, though they had talked about him, though they had done all of those things, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. And the other, and the other to sinners beseeching, he said, be reconciled to God. He said that to all of us. Romans 5.10 says, for if we were, we were enemies, we were sinners, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We are saved by his life. And Hebrews 2.17 says, therefore, in all things, watch this, says he had to be made like his brethren, like you and I that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God to make a propitiation for the sins of the people. And so number five, this is what the cross also provides for us. The cross provides a propitiation for you and me. And propitiation, that's a word that just simply means to appease or to, to render favorable. It's like an offering or a gift. Uh, or sacrifice that's sufficient in value uh, for, uh, you know, the, the cost of what it costs to, to be reconciled. So in other words, a propitiation could be if I, you know, did something to make my wife angry and, you know, she, it seems like she just can't forgive me for it. Of course she will, but she just can't forgive me for it. What could I do uh, to provide a propitiation? What could I do? You know, um, whatever it may be, I could br bring something do a set, you know, sacrifice something, whatever it may be. And then she would say, okay, that since you did that, that satisfies, um, you know, my offense. Okay. And that's what a propitiation is. And so that's what God did for us. Romans 3, 25 and 26 says, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sin that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. So what do you need to do to be justified? What do you need to do? You need to have faith, according to the scripture, in Jesus Christ. First John chapter 2, 1 and 2 says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's our advocate. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. He stepped in for you and I, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter how far you think you are from the Lord. Jesus stepped in to be that propitiation, and he has brought us together. Amen? And then... The cross provides atonement for you and I. Atonement, what does that mean? It means to cover, to expiate, to make at one, okay, to pardon, forgive, to show mercy, all of those things. He is an atonement for us. Romans 3, 25 and 26, 26 says, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, it goes on to say, God has passed over the sin we were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. And so just to remind you of that scripture, what he's saying there is, listen, we're over here. 
You, you, you know, you've seen the examples. God is here. And listen, but here's the thing. You're thinking, well, well, you know, what can bring us together? We can't get to God. The thing is, no matter how hard we try, there's nothing we can do to cross that bridge. Nothing we can do. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing we can give. We can't be a propitiation for ourselves. We can't uh, offer an atonement. There's nothing we can do or give or sacrifice that would cross that bridge except for the cross itself. Jesus provided the path when we could not get through. Right? Exodus 12, 13. This says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. So it's talking about the Passover. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so death, again, is coming for you and I. But God said, because of the blood, I am passing over you. Another scripture. I know I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at you. First John 5, 5 through 7 says, Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is true. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And guess what? These three are one. Guess what else? You think I'm done, don't you? But the cross provides so much more. The cross also provides victory for you and I. With redemption, ransom, substitution, reconciliation, propitiation, atonement, all of that equals what? Victory. It's a conquest over Satan's kingdom. He does not have victory, even with the virus. There is no victory for Satan. Colossians 2.15 says, having disarmed principalities and power, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. And if you're in Jesus, you do have victory in Jesus. Look at Hebrews 2, 14 to 16. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself shared in the same that through death might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those through fear of death for all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Can you believe it? He gives aid to you and I. Why? Because we are the seed of Abraham. Satan held the power of sin, sickness, disease, and death, as well as control over his own kingdom, right? But at Christ's death, we just read it in the scriptures, at Christ's death, he disarmed those principalities and powers at the cross. And with that, lastly, it provides, the cross provides healing for you and me. Our very bodies have been redeemed, that we may lay our sickness and infirmities upon him who bore them, and that we may take his resurrection life for every physical need for our simple mortal frames. We can take all of that with us. He provides healing. But he was wounded for our transgressions, Isaiah 53, 5 says. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. And so one of the things that the cross reveals is not only that is Jesus, uh, of all, out of all of these things, 
not only is he all of those things to us, he is also Lord. In fact, that is the central message of the Bible, that Jesus is Lord. We are so thankful that he is our Savior. Yes, what Christ did for us on the cross can never be repaid. It can never be duplicated, nor can it be repaid. But most every Christian is aware of the work of the cross, right? And that it can never be repaid, uh, and that there is redemption uh, with the cross. But where many of us fall short in understanding the cross is that the cross is not the end, but it's the beginning of the Christian life. And now that we've accepted Jesus as Savior and confessed him with our mouth, and we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, now we must acknowledge that he is Lord. Let me read a scripture to you, a familiar scripture, and here's what, here's what being Lord does for us. Here's what um, Jesus is Lord over. Let me read uh, Philippians chapter 2. You're familiar with it, but Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5, says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, of you and I, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, the God of the universe, humbled himself, became obedient even to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Therefore, therefore, listen, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Therefore, because of that, also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven, of those on earth and those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, watch now, to the glory of the Father. And so Jesus being Lord, what is he Lord over? What does that mean? We can acknowledge that. We acknowledge that he died on the cross. But here's what it means. Jesus being Lord for us means that Jesus is what? First of all, what is he? He's Lord of you and I. He's Lord of our relationships. He's Lord of our circumstances. He's Lord of uh, everything. He's Lord of my marriage. He's Lord of my thought life. He's Lord of my finances. He's Lord of my career and work. He's Lord of my attitude. He's Lord of my actions. He's Lord of all of my circumstances. So until we acknowledge that, until we acknowledge that, we only have salvation. Salvation is enough, you say. But I want to tell you this morning that in our minds, salvation is not enough. You must acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Because you can live a life where at the end of your life, yes, you will go to heaven. What kind of life will you live without Jesus being Lord over your life? You have to understand he's Lord over your marriage. He's Lord over your circumstances. He's Lord over everything that you go through. And we must acknowledge that. Amen.